You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Hi, it's Michelle. Welcome back to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Today, we're going to talk a little about this pervasive feeling that so many of us experience that we are sort of invisible and yet in plain sight all at the same time. There's this tension that exists in our lives as single moms where we're completely aware that we're not in the traditional family model. We're completely aware that things are not built around our lifestyles. In many cases, we've learned to accept that and to work with it, but it's something we still have to deal with. And as I hear from you women, I understand that there is not a lot of dialogue around this. And a lot of times I think it's from a place of not wanting to appear like a victim. Like we don't want to sit in the fact that, yeah, this is my circumstance. We just kind of move through it. And yet at the same time, I think it's a really important thing for us to be able to understand where does this feeling really come from? Because I noticed that wherever there's an obstacle in our lives, there's a huge opportunity for God to move. But if we just ignore the obstacle or go around the obstacle, we're going to miss the lesson and we're going to miss what God wants us to see in it. As we get started today, I want to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a great way to experience Christian counseling on your own time and your own schedule. It works through an app and in that app I'm able to chat with my counselor, schedule video sessions, and do everything that I need to do to take care of myself while I'm on the go. If you go to getfaithful.com slash single mom, you can actually get 10% off of your first month of counseling. So after this episode, go and have a look at Faithful Counseling. So I had an experience recently that really keyed in on this point. I visited a church recently that had a family service, and I was really excited because Church has been kind of shut down for a long time. So I thought, awesome, we can get back into routine. I could take my kids and we can worship together. So I bundled up my three and we went to the church. And the way they'd done it was they had everybody in an auditorium. They weren't yet ready to have everyone in individual classrooms. But we could bring blankets and chairs and kind of almost like in a picnic style, sit in this auditorium and watch the service. So I was like all in. And they had fun packets for the kids with Paper, coloring pages inside, and snacks, and little toys, and that sort of thing. So I was really feeling optimistic about this whole experience. Well, I'm sure you know where this is going. <laughs> My toddler, about 20 minutes in, decided she was over it, and so I spent the remainder of the service chasing her around and keeping her away from other kids' snacks while my older two sort of started getting a little bored themselves and kind of nitpicking at each other. So the entire duration of the service, I'm hauling kids into corners and having little chit-chats. And what I had hoped was going to be our great Sunday back in service turned into a complete discipline disaster. Now after the service, we had some friends there, and so we decided to go up into the cafeteria area and have a little breakfast together. And of course, kids will be kids, so they're all kind of rambunctious and running around and having a great time together. But while I'm trying to sit and enjoy my breakfast, I'm getting up every 30 seconds and having to corral one of my kids and keep the toddler from going off into a, a completely different hallway. And I'm just not enjoying this experience at all. And so while I'm watching the couples kind of tag team, you know, mom will get up and then dad will get up. So at least one of them can have a little social time. I'm just feeling like, why did I even come? Why did I even do this? Does anybody even see me? And I'm in the corner at one point, tears welling up in my eyes because 
this is normal for me. This is not one day that just didn't go the way that I'd hoped. This is a regular occurrence, and I know many of you can relate. And on top of that, this wasn't just going to stop as soon as this breakfast was over. I was going to take them all home and have to deal with it too. And I became aware in that moment that I was tapping into all of the suffering of my life, all of the sin that I had engaged in, that my ex had engaged in, everything that had brought me into this situation right here and right now. And I don't tend to go back and think about it. I'm not sitting there wallowing in in the past. It's past and I've worked through that with the Lord, but it doesn't mean that I'm not still living out those consequences on a daily basis. And I find that the reason that so many of us experience this invisibility is that we are still working through and struggling and dealing with things just like other people are, but we're doing it alone. And we're aware how much sin has impacted our lives. When we look at the fact that all of us are engaged in a spiritual war, single moms actually really are on the front line of a lot of these things. The fact of the matter is each of us became a single mom because of sin in the world. And I'm not judging anybody. That's, that's just the truth of it. When you think about whether your sin brought you into an unhealthy relationship or someone else's sin caused the breakup of a marriage or your sin together caused a complete implosion of your relationship, all of us who are in this boat right now in this season of our lives are constantly confronting the aftermath and the consequences of sin. Even if you're a widow, You know, when we understand that the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, we understand that having to deal with loss and grief also is because we are in a fallen, broken world where the consequence of the fall is having a physical death. So it's impossible for single moms to escape the awareness that that there is sin and evil that has touched our lives in a way that we would rather it didn't. What it all feels like to me is that this exposure to this kind of brokenness and sin and struggle, it just makes us feel vulnerable. It makes us realize that apart from God, we can't protect ourselves, that we cannot control all of the aspects of our lives in a way that we can't now unsee. And we see it in not only ourselves, but in other people. It almost kind of feels like, I don't know if you've seen The Matrix, but it feels like where it's the red pill or the blue pill. And When you take that pill, you don't come back. You're not the same person. You can't look at life even the same way. And for myself, a lot of times what that means is I can't even look at a lot of these superficial things in life anymore that used to be so entertaining because they just seem so much more hollow to me now. It can feel sort of like, I see this, don't all of you see this? And it makes it difficult sometimes for us to connect in that situation. So once you've had this depth of pain and this experience, it's just something that is a part of all of your experiences going forward. Not that it's something that's anchoring you down, but it has changed your perspective in ways that not everybody sees. So I think the first thing we have to be aware of is the fact that this is a place the enemy can actually cause divisiveness within the body because we are sitting here kind of feeling like nobody sees us and yet all at the same time kind of looking at other people and going, well, why don't they see us? Or why am I in this situation? Or it's not fair, you know, that kind of thing and not getting into that victim mentality space. That being said, I do think it's important that we honor the fact that we're in this situation and that we understand 
that most people don't recognize the burden that we carry with this. They don't know necessarily what it is to look at your children and their struggles and blame yourself and wonder how the weight of your choices is going to impact them for the rest of their lives. They don't know what it is necessarily to have to deal with this label of single mom and decide that it's not your identity and yet have the experience where you are feeling judged and labeled that way. People don't know when you show up late to something with your kids kind of disheveled that you feel like you're operating at about 30% of everything. They don't know that you are painfully aware that you are not pulling it all together, that in trying to care for finances and have a job and raise your kids and make sure the homework's done and everything's at least spot cleaned, that you're painfully aware of the fact that you don't feel like you're doing well at just about anything. And they may not know what it feels like to escape an abusive situation and then have someone tell you that they're praying for the restoration of your marriage. The pain of sitting alone on Christmas Eve while your own children are celebrating with their dad and you're in a pew completely alone. So when you feel overlooked in these kind of instances, it's because they don't know. And many of us are not the type that we're going to wave our hand around and say, hey, look at me, I'm struggling, I'm in need, please someone notice me. Oftentimes we're just trudging through life one day at a time, trying to fit in like everyone else. And really and truly, I think that's the reason why most anybody feels not seen is that everyone is dealing with their own stuff that nobody understands. But what I love about scripture is that God declares to us over and over that he sees us. And the coolest thing I think about that actually is that where the name for God, the God who sees, appears in the Bible, it's uttered by a woman who's the first recorded single mom. In the introduction to the Bible study I wrote called Seeing Hope and Healing for Single Moms, I go through the story of Hagar from the book of Genesis. To give you a brief recap, Abraham and Sarah were not able in their old age to conceive a child, and yet in chapter 15 of Genesis, God tells Abraham that he's going to be the father of many nations. And so they kind of take matters into their own hands to figure out how they're going to make this heir sort of come to be, and Sarah gives her maidservant, Hagar, to Abraham as a wife. Hagar becomes pregnant. In the midst of this, she actually does begin to taunt Sarah and taunt her fertility. And Sarah understandably becomes upset, and yet she deals harshly with her to the extent that Hagar fears for her life and flees into the desert. Now you have to think about this for a minute. This is a pregnant woman who is willing to flee into the desert without any provisions, really. This wasn't just catfighting. This was pretty serious. So while in the desert, Fearing for her life, the angel of God appears to Hagar. And while he tells her to go back to Abraham and Sarah, he also gives her the promise that her offspring will also be multiplied, just like Abraham, so that they can't be counted for multitude. Now, this is a pretty significant moment in the Bible because here is Hagar, a woman, a foreigner, a slave, a cast-off, someone who is basically seen as a means to an end. And she's being given this incredible promise. And it's not because she's so holy or devout. As a matter of fact, we already just covered the fact that she's kind of created some of her own mess. And I'm sure that Hagar is completely aware of this because she responds by saying in Genesis chapter 16, verse 13, truly I have seen him who looks after me, as the ESV puts it, or as the New King James puts it, have I also seen him who sees me? This is where she refers to him as Elroy, the God who sees. Hagar knew she wasn't perfect, 
In the eyes of man, Hagar was low status. She had nothing to offer. And yet in this moment of desperation, God gave her a purpose. So Hagar goes back to Abraham and Sarah and things do not go well. Ishmael, her son, ends up taunting Isaac, the son now born to Abraham and Sarah. And Sarah can't take it anymore and tells Abraham to send Hagar and the child away. Abraham doesn't want to do this, but he does receive confirmation from the Lord that God is going to provide for the woman and the child. And so he packs them very little. He packs them bread and a skin of water and sends them off again into the desert. So you can imagine again the desperation that Hagar feels that now she's going to watch this child die in front of her as they have nowhere to go, no food, no water. And all the while she must be wondering, God, you made me this promise. Where, what's going to happen? How is it going to come to fruition now? We're sitting out here in the wilderness and we're destined to die. And yet in that moment of doubt and desperation, God calls to her again and tells her not to be afraid, and that his word is still good, his promise to her is still good. God provides a spring of water right in that moment. And I know to her that must have seemed like not even just a sign of his physical provision for their physical needs, but a sign that he would continue to watch over them. Genesis 21 concludes by saying that Ishmael grew up strong and skilled. And from what we do know from biblical history, the descendants of Ishmael did become a nation. Now, a lot of people get hung up on the fact that it wasn't God's chosen people. But for us, as we're looking at this situation in this story, we're looking at what God did in the life of this discarded woman. Where others had exploited Hagar, God employed her. He gave her a purpose and a promise. He made a place for her. I mean, he made a place for her in the Bible that we can go and read about his faithfulness through her life and the difficult circumstances that she was in, that he had provided in order to bring his promise and his purpose to pass. Loneliness is something that single moms just have to confront. It's something that we go through as we shift our identities from being in a relationship to not, from living a life that we thought was gonna go one way and ended up going another. I created a free guide at agapemoms.com called The Seven Loneliness Traps. And in it, I describe the seven common traps that keep single moms feeling lonely and isolated. But the best part is we don't just stop there. I also give you seven ways out of those traps to live a life that is far more fulfilling and enjoy relationships that are deeply connected. Go to agapemoms.com slash free right now and you can download your free copy of The Seven Loneliness Traps. So I think where we have to go with this now is understanding that yes, we are carrying this burden of our choices and of sin and all of this weight and understanding when we see what God did in the life of Hagar and so many other people that felt discarded and brushed off in the Bible that there's a purpose in this. There is something that God is up to in all of our brokenness and that because of the position we're in, we are uniquely gifted to experience the power and the presence of God. You know, sometimes as single moms, I think a lot of us have a life that we're trying to recapture. We had a normal that we want somehow to get back into and not live in this broken existence and not have these broken families. And yet all at the same time, God often allows disruption in order for us to have redirection and new purpose. You know, in this instance, Hagar wasn't going to go back to Abraham and Sarah and get them to recognize, oh yeah, actually you do belong with us. Come hang out. No, God was calling her into a new season and into a new space. There was no going back. He was calling her into something else. And I think we have to look at this feeling of invisibility and realize that maybe we're feeling invisible because those are not the people who are supposed to see us or 
rather yet, maybe there's people that we're supposed to see. Something that's unmistakable is that when you go through brokenness, you can't unsee it. You look at all these people around you, you look at the situations that people go through, you look at the suffering in the world, and you see it. And as difficult as that is for us to walk through on our own, it's a gift. You know, a lot of times when we can cling to some other idol, we can cling to marriage and we can cling to a relationship, we can cling to the white picket fence and all of that kind of thing, we really do forget that our lives are always meant to be about us and God. That we end up so often trying to please a man or please other people that we miss who uniquely God has called us to be and the mission that he has put on each of our lives. So being a single mom, I know it's brought you to the most broken places of your life, but this is the place where we begin to learn that all of our lives, it really is just us and God, that as lifestyles and people exit the scene, that he's always been there, that he's always going to be there, and that everything that we do is not wasted when we live it for him. When our plans have failed, we can't help but look at scripture and read every promise and go, all right, God, only you. Only by your grace will this happen. We know what it's like to wait for a miracle. And just like Hagar, that when the provision comes, that we just know that it was God, that we know he sees us, that we know he's present and that he's there. And in knowing all this, we can have hope. We could look at the desperation of our circumstances, or we could look at the work that God's doing in it and realize that, yeah, it's difficult. We might not get the life back that we wanted or once had, but we can fix our eyes on eternity and realize that this is not our home. And when you know that, there's nothing that can be taken away from you. And then when you realize that this is kind of a clearing away of all that external clutter and that you do have a purpose and that you are seen and and special and loved by God, you can't help but want to share that with other people. You know, as much as I think sometimes we feel like single moms, like people on the outside don't see us, I certainly know that we as single moms see each other and we see other broken people, that we see those people sitting alone on Christmas Eve at church, and we know what they're going through, that we can see a mom who's wrestling kids with no ring on her finger and know exactly what she's feeling, that we would jump in there and be able to help and be those hands and feet to let someone else know that God sees them. And all the while, we get to do this in front of our kids. You know, we can't control what's going to happen in our kids' lives. We can't control the choices that they make. But we do have the greatest influence and the greatest ability to show them what it is to truly rely on the grace of God for each and every day. And when you think about that our lives, our job, our single existence as parents is to steward these kids because they're not ours, they're God's, and to lead them to him, what our lives are able to demonstrate to our kids about the love of God is more than many of us would have done without it. And I think this is where embracing brokenness and rejection is so important because in it, we remember that Christ was rejected. There was no place for him either. And so in these moments where we feel overlooked and unseen and invisible, we're sharing in his suffering. And I get great encouragement from 1 Peter 4.13. In the New King James, it says, But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. That the extent of our suffering can be the extent of our rejoicing and then some. It comes from knowing that even in your pain, you have a purpose, that you have so much to offer right where you stand right now, that you're not discarded, you are not cast off, you are not undesirable. 
You're a daughter, a daughter of the Most High King. And that so much life still awaits you. And that life might not be easy. We know for none of us it's going to be. And actually, I think as single moms, we actually kind of have a sisterhood that we can band together in this, that we're going through a lot of similar things together. But God promises that in the midst of all of it, he's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. And that his thoughts towards us are good. But in all of this, we have a choice. And the choice is either we can focus on the places where we feel like we don't fit in. We can focus on maybe the people who don't see us. Or we can focus on the one who does. I just pray that this message may have touched your heart in a place that just felt maybe a little unseen or unnoticed. I'm so thankful that you could join me. I appreciate your help in growing this community and bringing other single moms into this sisterhood. Every time you jump on Facebook or Instagram and you like or share a post, every time you leave a review for this podcast, you're standing as a lighthouse to other single moms, to other women who are in this situation and saying, come join us. So I'm so thankful for that. You all don't get to see the emails that I do every week, but it is making a difference in people's lives. And I'm so thankful for the way that you're sharing your healing with others. So sister, I hope you know, God loves you, God sees you, and you are his. Thanks for joining me today. I'm looking forward to having you with me next time.